Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord. Even for this heat, it keeps us, uh, it, uh, it shows us that uh, your warmth is around us. That's how we should be feeling. Uh, we commit ourselves at this time right now to hear the message that you have prepared for us. It's your word, and your word is true, and the truth can set us free. Please, Lord, uh, guide us, uh, keep us alert, and uh, help us to understand and keep this word in our hearts so we may, we may become joyful, even under the circumstances we're going through. In Jesus' name, amen. Talking about uh, the circumstances, we just heard a lot of you know, the prayer requests, and it seems like the world is going through something very strange. Last time we heard about, uh, actually, we didn't because we were not alive, but I can only imagine about a hundred or so years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, uh, when the, the black uh, fever, is that what it's called, uh, that wiped out millions of people in Europe. Uh, until one day people realized that they, if they had read the Bible, they would have avoided millions of deaths because uh, the Bible already teaches us the quarantine and also teaches us to be clean, wash our hands. So uh, this, you know, people didn't do it at the time and millions of people uh, died. So I guess... It, it keeps reminding us, coming back to us, this time that we're going through right now, uh, the world is uh, just all the news you watch, you see on the internet or television. Everyone's been talking about this virus. So, and a lot of people are so worried. I heard, you know, recently the, in Italy when they far, first got the first cases, uh, people just fighting over things and being... Uh, angry at each other, so I guess we lose our senses of humanity when times like these happen. So what a better message to bring and to remind us of this little word here, three-letter word, joy. And if we uh, remember, this is one of the fruit of the Spirit. When we read in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says there, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, big words, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, is it something that uh, we wish for, we, we fight for? Is it something that we should be, you know, like... Being rich, for example, does that bring us joy? Really? So, I guess not. As we can see here, the Bible says that uh, joy is something given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we acquire. It's not something that we fight for. It's not something that we study for, right? We don't go to school for that. So, according to the Webster Dictionary, this is a definition of joy. It's to experience great pleasure or delight. And another word for joy in the Greek language, actually, the word joy is translated to rejoice. 
If you look in the Bible, I was checking the number of times that it's mentioned in the New and Old Testament. It's mentioned hundreds of times in the whole Bible. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Joy um, is something that we should, it's in us. It's, we inherit this, this feeling when, when we uh, accept Jesus Christ and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, Joy is something that will be in us. It's inherent. It's something that we don't, we don't uh, try to, to, to be joyful. It's just in us. That's how we should be feeling, even through these hard times. We're going to see here in many uh, examples. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of people confuse the word joy with happiness. But joy is not happiness. Happiness, I'll tell you, I'll give you some examples of happiness. Let me show you one picture of this little baby here. Beautiful. I'm sure the mothers and the parents, actually, the ones who had uh, children before, uh, we believe that there isn't a greater moment, right? I remember when these little, these big guys now, right? When they were born, it was just... Uh, we couldn't believe it. It was so much happiness. It's, it's, we cannot express how much that happiness is. We, those who haven't had babies yet, the, the, the girls here, one day you will have this feeling. I hope. We pray for it. It's just the most beautiful moment, right? I can see the parents' faces here. They're all smiling, especially the mothers. They're, I know the suffering. I know, you know, the nine months or ten months, whatever, then the... The delivery time, it's so painful. But once that baby is out, you're just holding that little baby. It's just inexpressible. It's, right? Yeah, I see the smiles. Yeah, I see the smiles. So it's just a very, very happy moment. But this is not yet joy. Another moment that we may feel is, have you ever had a surprise birthday party? I guess we spoiled your birthday party, uh, Wawa. Uh... But we've had these moments, right? You get home, and the house is full of people, and there's a cake on the table, and, you know, candles lit, and uh, everybody wearing that funny hat. So isn't that great? It's a happy moment. Yeah, I had one when I was little. It was very interesting. Um, I had others, of course, not, but I remember this one most. But, you know, your friends show up, your family. This is just a beautiful and happy moment, but it's not joy. It does not get, it doesn't reach the level of joy the way we should feel. For the sports people there, you know, when your team wins the championship or wins the game, whatever, it could be, I showed a soccer picture here, but it could be cricket or if you're a tennis uh, fan or whatever. If your team wins, isn't that great, right? And if you can see in this picture here, all this confetti, this colored paper going up, but soon, this paper will come down to the ground, will be wiped away, you know, somebody will come and uh, wipe the floor, and there you go. The happiness is, I'm not, I'm not being uh, pessimistic here, I'm just saying that these moments are not forever. We're going to see the difference between happiness and joy. For the students, they're still in school, or we've been to school, right? Uh, I don't remember getting many... Uh, tens. <laughs> I was not the best student in school, I have to admit that. 
Uh, my sons know about this, okay? I never hid this from them. Um, I, I told them all my life what not to be, okay? Don't be what I was, because I was not a very good student. I, was, I never got very good grades. I was always sent to the dean of, dean's office, so, you know, always in trouble. But I think I got some tens before. Yeah, it was good. It felt good, right? I guess the ones who like to study hard here, I see some smiles, right? Some very bright, yeah? Yeah. yeah isn't it great to, to get a 10? Wow. That's perfect. And other times, I'm sure all of you have had your uh, childhood friends, you know, when you go out together, go fishing, or throw rocks at the people's windows. Oops, no, sorry. Uh, this was something I did too. Not good. Don't follow my example. Okay? Uh, but we did funny things and fun things also together. It was fun. Uh, but this, this time, the time comes when we all go separate ways. We go to a different university or a different state, and we don't see this friend anymore. But imagine that day you see this friend unexpectedly, this old childhood friend. You see him. It's what a great happiness, great moment of happiness to share all those good moments in the past. Well, but that's happiness. Another time, uh, we've had our fellowships with family and friends, you know, dinner time. And I remember my uh, Sunday mornings or Sunday lunch time was good time to meet all my family. I had a very large family when I was little. We used to get all the cousins and together, the uncles and aunts. We had a big, and guess what the dish was? Spaghetti, of course. You know, easy to make, everybody likes it, all tastes. So it's a good and fun time together, lots of happy moments. It's all there. Another time, we usually get together, you know, friends or family, watch a good movie, go to the movie theater and watch something or do something together, play games, whatever. Now, for those who got married, I'm sure you remember the time uh, good time, right? All those who got married here, yeah, they're going, yes, yes. Right? Hey, I remember my, good, my day. About thir- it's going to be, what, 32 years this, this year? Yes, 32 years ago, I got married to that beautiful princess right, right there. It was just, uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw her coming, you know, walking down the aisle. I said, wow, is that my future wife? Whoa. Hey, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> so, but for those who are not married yet, I'm sure you're planning. Yeah, you're going like, yay, one day I will walk down the aisle for sure. Yeah, those are happy moments. You know, your family and friends, you know, it's, it's all there. But unfortunately, this is happiness. These are happy moments. But things, when they turn bad, the happiness is gone, right? Your team is not a champion next year. Or, I don't know, your friend breaks up with you and goes separate ways, never talk to you again, whatever happens. And also, we know that happiness depends on circumstances. And we know that. All these moments I mentioned were all circumstances that happened once in our lives, and they're gone. Of course, we remember them. We're still happy about them. Of course, I'm happy with my marriage. Of course, I'm happy with my kids. But there are moments. 
right? Now, I have a, a, a little saying here by John Piper. He describes what joy is. He says, Christian joy is a great feeling. Uh, look at the word great, okay? The dictionary also says that. It's a great feeling in the soul. It's produced by the Holy Spirit as it causes us to see the glory and beauty of Christ. Is that different from the, those happy moments you're sharing with your friends? That's very different. Because it's produced by the Holy Spirit. And it causes us to see the glory and beauty of Christ. Therefore, the joy in my soul overflowing toward God is coming from the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference now? It's something that just you overflow with joy. It's not something that you're, oh yeah, you tell a little joke or funny moment, you laugh, but then it's gone. But joy is something you walk with, you wake up with, you go to bed with, you have lunch with, you, you work with. Okay, so everywhere you go, in Philippians 3.1, uh, it says here, rejoice in the Lord. I, I would suggest you read Philippians. The letter to the Philippians is the, the letter about rejoicing. It's the one that tells through the circumstance. You see Paul, he's in prison. He's chained to the guards, to the ground, and he's rejoicing. And he writes this letter to the Philippians. Also, in John chapter 16, verse 14, this is Jesus talking. The Holy Spirit is given to us to glorify God. We should be filled with the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our hearts to see the beauty of Christ. This is what joy is all about. Then... We fill our hearts with joy. In John 15, 11, it also says, Jesus, I've told you these things so that my joy, whose joy is it? Jesus. This is Jesus' joy. My joy may be in you, and your joy may be full or complete or fulfilled, depending on your Bible version. Look at this. Jesus is telling us he's giving his joy to us. It's not something we look for or we find it in a supermarket, okay? But it's something that is given by the Holy Spirit, by the fulfillment of Jesus on the cross. In times of troubles or sorrows, Paul, actually John here, uh, Jesus saying here, uh, in John 16:22 he says you will have sorrow now but i will see you again and your hearts will rejoice now the word rejoice and no one will take your joy from you i think uh, there's two uh, interpretations here it could be either jesus saying when the holy spirit came this is just before jesus was crucified He's saying the baptism of the Holy Spirit later, uh, when they receive the Holy Spirit, then the hearts are, their hearts will be rejoicing. But it could also mean when Jesus returns, our hearts will rejoice when we see Jesus. 
In Matthew 5.12, it says, Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. Um, we know we live in times also that uh, Christians have never, ever, in the history of the Christianity life, have never been so much persecuted as now. In the whole world, Christians are being persecuted. And every time we think about persecution, we think of countries like, we know which ones, right? Uh, but Christians are persecuted in America, in Brazil, in first world countries, in Europe. Christians are not let alone. They cannot carry a Bible. They cannot mention the word Jesus Christ. They cannot pray in public. This is persecution. They are mocked by their uh, peers in school. And Jesus promises our joy will be full. It will be complete. He went to the cross to make sure our joy would be complete. In Romans 15, 13... Uh, Paul says here, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in Him. Only those who believe in Jesus Christ and follow and obey Him will have this joy. The world does not have this joy. The world has happiness. The world is, they're, they're looking for happiness in everything. In possessions, in success, in their lives in uh, business, being successful in business, being rich, uh, having a beautiful wife, right? This, these are the things that the world is looking for, happiness, but they don't have the real joy that only comes with the Holy Spirit. Um, is it possible that tears and joy can coexist? What's a moment that we can think this way, that we're sad, but we are filled with joy. In Second Timothy, it says, 1-4, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. Paul is in prison, and he longs to see the, his brothers and sisters, and actually, I guess he's talking to Timothy here, and he wants... He will feel joy as he meets him or meets his brothers and sisters. I know there's one moment in our lives that for all of us, we have, all of us have experienced this. Maybe some of you haven't, but I have. And this is a moment of departure. We're all going through this. Yes, we're all going through this. And I remember two years ago, three years ago, four, 2016, right? My mom passed away. I was here in Myanmar, and when I left her, the last time I said goodbye to her and I hugged her, I knew that la that would be my last hug to her. Uh, that was the last time I knew in my heart that was going to be my last time seeing my mom alive. And sure enough, a year later, right? A year later, um, she went to be with the Lord. And believe it or not, I'm the only Christian in my family, believer. I have one sister, also an older sister now. 
But believe it or not, we are seven, okay? We're four brothers, four men, and three women in my family. Four brothers and three sisters. Believe it or not, I was here. I did not go back because I said to God, uh, whatever happens, I came to serve you in this country, and whatever happens, I'm not going back. If that happens, I'm not going back. Not because I'm mean, because I knew, because my mother was a believer. She was a true believer in God. She read her Bible every single day. She read the Bible cover to cover several times. And because of her, I came to Christ. And it was a very sad moment for me, but it was a, a moment of joy because I knew where she was. I knew I know where she is, actually. And my sisters, especially my sisters, they just went desperate because of the loss of my mom. And believe it or not, uh, thank God for... Uh, WhatsApp, this technology, and almost every single day I was talking to my sisters and my brothers, telling them, comforting their hearts so far away. They were with her. They were there at her bed, uh, bedside when she died, and they were just, they could not believe it. They could not accept it, but I did. I felt peace. I felt joy because I know where she is. And we all know this. I know I was sad. It's a separation. I miss her. I'm not going to talk to her anymore. I, used, I remember when, when I got my, my birthday, right? She, was the f she had to be the first one to call me on my birthday, every son and daughter. And now I don't get those phone calls anymore. But, but now I know where she is. Why? Because we know joy is permanent. Permanent. It's eternal. And happiness is just temporary. Jesus brings joy because we've been saved to eternal life. Isn't that? I, sometimes I, I, you know, I remember we, we've been to different churches in, in Brazil and in the U.S. too. And depending on the churches, you know, whenever you said something like this, people go, hallelujah. But nobody said hallelujah here, but it's okay. Maybe you, you uh, in, your, in your mind, you said hallelujah. So I'll say that again. Jesus brings joy because we've been saved to eternal life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't that great? I mean, what's a better feeling? It's actually, it's, it's a great feeling. I mean, it's in the soul. It's in our heart. It's in our lives. We should be joyful no matter what. I was talking to someone last night uh, about this message, uh, and then I mentioned to him, because we were talking, and, you know, after two or uh, three words, uh, the next word was coronavirus. So we know that a lot of people are worried about this. And then in the conversation, that was the next topic. We just talked a little bit about something, and then the next topic was like for 15 minutes, coronavirus. Okay, all right, we should be talking about this. But we, f we see in people's faces they're, they're worrying about this. They worry. So, and also, I noticed that, not, maybe not here, but a lot of people are just walking with their face down, you know. They're just looking at the problems. They, you don't see the horizon. You just see the problem in front of you. But 
Look what Jesus said, my joy will be with you. So we have to be joyful, no matter the circumstances. We should just be joyful, that's all. And when people come to talk about the coronavirus to you, just say, yeah, okay, it's just a simple flu. You know, you get over it. Just don't sneeze in front of me, okay? So if you sneeze, okay, cover your mouth. Uh, but other than that, take care of yourself, okay? Stay home, maybe. It's just a simple flu. And if you catch it, just, you know, pray to God. He's going to take care of you. God is going to take care of us. He promised that. So, now, we're going to see some other moments in the Bible and also some other Christians' lives. They are going through trials. And these are times of trials. No matter what circumstances we are, Jesus promised that also. You are going to have trouble. Jesus never said, your life is going to be beautiful. You're going to float in the air. Uh, people will get troubled, but you, you're not. Okay, you're safe. You're guaranteed. No problems for you. Jesus never said that. Jesus said we would be having troubles. And through trials, in James chapter 1, verse 2, uh, he says here, Consider it all joy. Guys, look at the word all. Consider it all. Everything in our lives should be considered as joy. My brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, is he saying just a few? Few troubles you consider as joy? No, he's considering every one of them. In Acts 5.41, uh, actually, I, sh I suggest you guys read this passage here because it's just amazing. This is the time when the apostles, they were sent to jail by the, the Sanhedrin. They just, uh, they were preaching the gospel, right? And then they were arrested and they were brought before the Sanhedrin, all those uh, priests and high priests and all those guys, they said, don't talk about this man. But they continued to talk about him. So they put him in prison. They were beaten. Read the chapter. You will see. They were beaten. And they were sent to jail. And then an angel showed up and took him out of jail. And they went back to the synagogue. Early in the morning, they waited for the synagogue to open the gates, I guess, because it was so early in the morning. So they went there. First thing they did as they got out of jail, they were preaching the message of the kingdom of God in the synagogue again. And then they got arrested again. And the high priest told them, don't mention this name. Don't preach this message. And they said, no, we're going to preach it. So they were beaten again, and then they, re they were released. And as they were going uh, out of this, this uh, Sanhedrin, this is chapter 41, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 41, it says, So they left the council, the Sanhedrin, what? Rejoicing. Look, why were they rejoicing? Because they had been considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. You know, people in the world will, will say, 
are you nuts? Are you crazy? You just were sent to jail twice. You were beaten. And you're just released and you are rejoicing because you were suffering because of Christ? Who wants to do that? Huh? If you suffer because of Christ, rejoice. If you are persecuted, rejoice. We have stories, many stories. We see people sent to jail. And the jail in the prison cell is filled with the Holy Spirit. They're praising God and the guards cannot understand it. I don't know if you guys ever read this book about this, uh, the heavenly man. I forgot his name. It's a Chinese man that was tortured. He lived in China, persecuted. Brother Yun. If you guys ever have a chance, read this book. I highly recommend it. Uh, he was tortured. He was once, he, had, he fasted because he didn't want to give up, you know, say, uh, I deny Christ. People wanted him to deny Christ, but he didn't want it. So he fasted for so many days that his wife was called there. She did not recognize him. He was just skin and bones. But he never denied Jesus Christ. And he, he, he tells in the book that once he was being tortured, all kinds of torture, uh, and he was just showing that face of rejoice joy and the guards could not believe it i mean you're suffering the the most painful torture anyone could ever feel and your your face looks like you're having fun that's crazy the guards could not believe it but that's how joy should work in our hearts we all know about our Christians, the first Christians in the first centuries in the Roman Empire, they were like the game of the day. You know, people watch football today, soccer. In the past, they used to watch people get eaten by the lions and be bitten. And I'm sure all these people just went to that arena and they just knelt down and they worshiped God and probably saying hallelujah, glory to God. They were being eaten by these beasts, but they did not lose their faith, and they just glorified God. Hallelujah. Um, a few years ago, in the country of Eritrea, in the northern, northeastern part of Africa, it's called the Horn of Africa, uh, several Christians were locked in these containers this was their prison cells. And as we, if we know the, the weather in Africa is like probably hotter than Myanmar, in the temperatures of in centigrade Celsius, over 40 or 50 degrees Celsius inside, no water, no food, no ventilation, no windows, no nothing. Imagine 40, 50 Christians inside these containers. Actually... I searched, and these are the actual containers. Uh, many of them died. Uh, this, and, but at the same time, these Christians were filled with joy because they were suffering for Christ. I'm t 
telling you the truth. You can do your research if you don't believe me. <laughs> well, okay. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And John 14, 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We all know one of the greatest, I, in my, I guess, of course we'll have more, but we all know and we are hope for our biggest day of everyone's lives. Well, I would say the believer's lives. What is the most precious day that we've all been waiting for? The coming of Jesus Christ. That's when the Lamb is coming to meet the church. The groom is coming to meet his bride. Did you know that there will be a big wedding celebration? And the bride is the church. We are the bride. We, sh we are going to be adorned for the groom when he comes. This is the biggest celebration, the biggest day of our lives. Actually, maybe the first of many. I'm going to read these Bible verses. Uh, if you could, maybe, I don't know, sometimes when I hear the word, I like to close my eyes because I, wanna, I want the words to come alive. I want to see the words when I, they, they are read here from the pulpit. So I'm going to read Revelation 19, chap, uh, chapter 19, verses 6 to 9. Listen to these words, and how do you feel about them? It says, Then I heard what sounded like the voice of a vast throng, a lot of people, like the roar of many waters. If you guys have ever been to these big waterfalls, it's just deafening. You can't hear anything. So much noise. So it was like the roar of many waters. And like loud crashes of thunder. And they were shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the all-powerful reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory. Because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Are we ready? Are we getting ready for this big wedding celebration? She was permitted to be dressed in bright, clean, fine linen. For the, lin for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write the following. Blessed are those who are invited to the banquet and the at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. He also said to me, These are the true words of God. Are you invited to this big wedding celebration? Are we ready? I once uh, brought a message similar to this one to uh, one orphanage. It was very interesting, right? And Alice is beginning to laugh now because she knows what happened. And the pastor was translating to the church. 
And as I was speaking, talking about, you know, the wedding, how the, the, the bride gets ready, all that beautiful dress, the groom too, right? But the bride is the, is the, her special moment in her life. She has this beautiful dress. She puts some flowers in her hair or other things. Uh, the room is all decorated. And she maybe goes to the hair salon and go put a makeup on and looks beautiful, right? Get a massage, maybe. So, and I, as I was describing this bride getting ready, the church getting ready for the lamb, for this big wedding celebration, and I noticed the pastor did not, he just was looking at me like this. And I said, aren't you going to translate? He goes, oh, oh, yeah. Because he said, afterwards, he said, that message was so beautiful because I, I didn't want to, I wanted to just continue listening to what you're talking about. So this is what's going to happen. We are going to see, we're going to be there. We are this bride. We're going to be dressed in fine linen, waiting for the groom for this big wedding celebration. And I believe also, these are, like I said, one of the first moments of great joy in our lives. Another great moment that the book of Revelation mentions is the new heaven and the new earth. Have you guys read this? Like, and imagine, Close your eyes. I know you can't read it with your eyes closed, but uh, just read and then close your eyes and imagine this. what's going to happen. I'm going to read this verses 2 in chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. There's more there, but I just stop here in verse 5. Listen to this. This is John speaking. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had ceased to exist, and the sea existed no more. God is creating a new heaven and a new earth. I once heard this, this uh, preacher saying that uh, whenever he goes to meetings and he meets new people, and he, people ask him, what do you do? He says, I'm in the recycling business. And then, oh, really? And people get interested, right? Because if you say, I'm a pastor, they're just going to avoid you the rest of the party. So, so I'm going to recycle. <laughs> so what do you recycle? I recycle people, right? We're being recycled for this new heaven and this new earth. G- God is also in the recycling business. He's going to just trash this old earth and this old heaven. All the stars, everything will be gone. And he's making new heaven and new earth. And you know why he's making new heaven and new earth? Because he wants to put us, the saints. We have to be purified. We have to be pure and saints to inhabit this new place. We cannot be sinners, because if we are sinners again in this new world, we're going to destroy this new world again, right? It's, it's impossible for us. So we have to be born again. That's why we're born again, because we're going to be new inhabitants in this new heaven and new earth. So I continue here. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, made ready like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now this is God speaking, Look, the residence of God is among human beings. He will live among 
them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. Today we don't see God, right? Has anybody seen God here? I'm sure you haven't. Nobody has seen God. But one day we will, because, because God promises here in his word that God is going to live among us in the new Jerusalem, the new city, the new heaven, the new earth. And God himself will be with us. And we will be his people. And it continues. It doesn't stop. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will not exist anymore. Or mourning. Or crying. Or pain. For the former things have ceased to exist. Cease means stop. Never again come back to life. And the last verse says, And the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. Then he said to me, to John, Write it down, because these words are reliable and true. Do you believe that? Who wants to be there? Huh? I didn't hear hallelujah again, but it's okay. I said hallelujah for this. Because God is making everything new for us. For all of us believers. Do you believe in God and trust Jesus? Do you believe in God and trust Jesus? So don't be troubled. Do not fear. Jesus brings us great joy. Um... I'm going to, you, a lot of you have heard the song. There is the song called It Is Well. Um, I don't know if you know the story behind the song, the person who wrote it. He, I'm going to tell a little bit about it, but it's very interesting. His name was Horatius, I forgot, just forgot his last name. Um, Horatius. Uh, it was in the 17th century, 1800. So he was a successful lawyer and a successful businessman, very rich. He had a law office and he, has a, he had a lot of possessions, a lot of properties. So one day, he lived in Chicago, the U.S., and one day there was a big fire in Chicago. It just burned like 100,000 families lost their homes. 100,000 people were homeless. And he wasn't, uh, he was one of them. So he lost his properties, his, he lost his office. Now imagine this rich man losing everything, pretty much. So he came back to life and he was very troubled about that. So uh, he decided to travel one day, some years later. He decided to travel to Europe, to England, to be with his family, to meet to this great um, revival that was happening in England, in London. So he decided to travel with his family. By the way, he was married. He had four daughters, 11 years old, 8, 5, and 2 years old, and his wife. So at the last minute, when they were about to board the, the ship, uh, there was a big... Uh, 
economic crash in the U.S. and he lost a lot of money again. Here you go. He loses everything. Then he loses money because of this big crash. So he decided just to send his wife and daughters to England ahead of him. So he stayed to take care of the business. Uh, about a week after the ship had left, there was a big crash between two ships. Can you imagine in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and two ships crash into each other, right? If you see a crash here on the streets, it's explainable. But in the middle of the ocean, two ships crashing on each other, that's kind of strange. But anyway, um, his wife managed to survive, but his four daughters died. They drowned. Um, so then when she, as soon as she got to London, she sent him a message, very short, survived alone. So he knew he had lost all his daughters. So he flew to England. But uh, that was not the last thing that happened. Uh, a few years later, he... What was the last thing I forgot now? He... Um, yeah, but a few years later, he had a son, finally had a son again. Uh, just before his son was five years old, he lost his son for scarlet fever. But on the way to England, you know, going back now, when he went to England again on a ship to meet his wife, when he was about, they were about the same spot where the ship had uh, sank, the captain told him about the place. So he thought about these words of this song. Now, imagine this guy who had lost his properties to fire, his business. And then there was a big economic, economic crash. He lost a lot of money. And then he loses his daughters. And then he loses his son again. How would you feel... Oh, by the way, he was a Christian. He was a, an elder at the church. But how would you feel? I know a lot of people complain to God. They stop believing in God. How can that happen to me? Right? But he wrote the words of this song. He didn't write the song, but he wrote the words of this song. So we're going to sing this song to close our meeting today. Just feel it. Because the song says, It is well. It is well in my soul. It is well. I would like to change those words, it is well, to I rejoice. I rejoice. Because no matter what happens, my God is greater than everything. And my heart is filled with joy. I, I think this is one example of someone who has lost a lot, who went through lots of trials, but he rejoiced. So we should rejoice. In these times of troubles, rejoice. Put a smile on your face and rejoice. People call you crazy. Say, yes, I'm crazy about God. Okay? That's why I'm crazy. I'm crazy for God. Because I rejoice in everything. I rejoice. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that uh, your word is promising to us. We will be filled with joy. Our joy will be complete. So, Lord, we want to leave this place tonight feeling this great joy in our hearts 
to believe, to worship, to follow, to be, to be called sons, to be called daughters, to be called children of the Almighty God, the sovereign God who takes care of everything. Everything is under your control. Please, Lord, don't let us look down at the problems. Let us just keep our eyes focused in heaven. Focused in the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and new earth. When we're going to be living with you, you'll be living among us. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We worship you. We commit our lives and our thoughts to you. Please, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. In everything we do, everything we say, everything we hear, may be to glorify your name only. Lord Jesus, Bless us with the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, in this church, and all the church all over the world this moment. All those who are worshiping at this moment, all those who are in prisons, may they be filled with the Holy Spirit and rejoice because you promise to be with us until the end. We commit ourselves and we praise you and worship you and we pray in the most precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah.